This week on the podcast, I talk with returning guest and friend of the show, Jawad from Hit the Apex podcast. Uh, we talk about the new Formula E race at home, Marbula E. Yes, right, that's Marbula E. We also talk some sports cars, uh, supercars, esports, and general chat. Jawad knows his stuff, and I can't wait for you to listen. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Regen, the e-racing podcast. I am your host Dino and joining me this week, uh, Chris is away, so we have Jawad from Hit the Apex podcast. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are you doing there, Dino? I'm very well. I'm very well. And uh, it's good to have both of us on sort of similar time zones this morning as well. Yeah, I mean, we negotiated this um, with Chris, obviously, and unfortunately, he's pulled out at the last minute. So, um, all the more coffee for us, I think, this morning. <laughs> yes, yep, I've already had one, uh, and I think I'll probably have to get on the decaf, because uh, all of this staying at home, I'm consuming a lot more coffee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were just saying before about your current lockdown laws and everything, and you might even have the chance to go out and get a coffee soon. I'm actually really excited about that. You can probably hear it in my voice right now, but I mean, it's been tough, you know, uh, us coffee addicts. um, Because you you can't make good coffee, is that what you're saying, or? Well, I mean, I've got got some beans um, at the moment from Uganda, which is quite cool. Um, A a place called Gorilla Summit um, and Plunger. So yeah, plunge is sort of the go-to, but yeah, there's not much like a not much like an espresso. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I haven't tried the plunger method yet. I bought myself an espresso machine a couple of years ago, the grinder as well, and it's been doing the job, I guess. So makes a good latte. <laughs> Had to experiment oh. a little bit with beans, but um, I think I've found the right one now. So it sounds like you got a pretty sweet setup there. I try. In in these times when you've got all the time on in the world, you got to <laughs> just fill it. <laughs> yep, yep, amen. Alrighty, uh, media of the week. We're still going to do media of the week, so you're not getting away. Um, what have you got for us, Juad? Well, yeah, like last time, I really look forward to talking about media of the week. So um, what have we got this week? Well, I'm sure there was a lot of sports nuts all over the world who with the lack of sport are going a bit crazy but um, ESPN has done us justice and released um, this documentary series that they've been working on for a very long time um, called The Last Dance. Um, It's a series that focuses on the 1990s Chicago Bulls dynasty. Um, Of course one of the greatest sporting teams of all time. Um, Most people will regard Michael Jordan, the greatest um, basketballer of all time, looks at his uh, his you know rise and fall there at the Bulls, of course, um, and then of course, yes, yeah, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, his uh, wingman coach Phil Jackson, and of course the uh, general management as well in that um, in that setup. And I think the the narrative mainly focuses around the ninety seven ninety eight. Um, NBA season which was 
dubbed the last stance by their coach because um, the management wanted to split them apart at the end of that season because they felt that they were getting too old and they have to rebuild like most of those ruthless sporting organizations do so at the moment on Netflix they're releasing them I think two episodes a week so we've had the first two come out um, and quite enjoyable just even as a sports fan looking at the inner workings of um, this team that dominated for so long but also all the acrimony and all the um, the negative stuff that was behind the scenes too. So they had unprecedented um, access to footage back in 97, 98. So a lot of fly on the wall kind of stuff, a lot of behind the scenes. You kind of see a different side to Michael Jordan as well. Um, basically just asserting himself over everyone. He's, he's the greatest, so why hide that? And... A few people have said or criticised that it's kind of shown a different side to Michael Jordan as well, but at the same time, any great sportsman or athlete, sportswoman, they have that side to them as well, which, you know, that's their way of getting things done. So it's it's been really good so far, and I can't wait for episode three next week. Wow, that sounds incredible. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the a lot of the elite sportsmen, you know, you sort of have to be selfish to get to the top. Um, so yeah, that's not really surprising when when you're when you're at work, you know, you're at work and and doing whatever to to win. Basically, you know, we only have to look at Max Verstappen. Yeah, he's got that mindset, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's always he's been sort of cut in that mold that. Um people like Ayrton Senna and all that, Michael Schumacher, they've talked about for for years and years. God, it, you know, even though he's only, what, 23, it feels like he's um, been around for decades as Verstappen, so... Okay, uh, my media of the week is a mobile game. It's called Tiny Tomb Dungeon Explorer, and it's from MindSense Games. Sort of a voxel artwork, roguelike uh, you're going around little little dungeons, finding fruit and other things uh, for this big entity that uh, I think he normally eats people, but he's partial to a to a piece of fruit, and so you've got to got to do that, or else you get eaten yourself. Um, the first the first sort of dungeon is very easy. The second one is very hard. So I think they need to need to tone down the difficulty a bit because. Uh, I'm not rubbish at games, and I'm struggling a bit. I've never been one to try the mobile games, actually, so you seem to be a bit of an expert, and if you're saying it's difficult, then that's um, that's saying something. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I'm normally one to play sort of tower defense games. Yep. So, yeah, Kingdom Rush, those sort of ones, but uh, yeah, this one's something a little bit different. I'll link it in the show notes. Have a look. It's really fun, um, pretty quirky, um, but worth a play. Yeah, it's free, so that's another plus. There you go. I was going to ask as well, actually, you mentioned last week you were playing Far Cry 3. I think it's an absolute yes. classic as well. How's that going? Uh, it's going okay. I haven't had a lot of time to play it recently. It's It's been, it's been a, a bit of a week, but going well. I'm really enjoying it, actually. It's it's really just it's a bit of a breath of fresh air 
So, I mean, I enjoy things like Rage and other shooters, but this one, you sort of, there's just something about the the cars and the world that makes it a bit more real, a bit more like you're actually there. Obviously, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, the way you run and things are quite funny, but, you know, it sort of takes you out of the experience, but it, it just... I just really love the story, and a lot of games don't really have that. No, no, and yeah, the open world aspect is pretty cool as well. It's hard, I think it was 2009 that one came out. It's been a decade easily, so... Yeah, it's it's pretty good for 2009. It, it is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was a big fan of the Blood Dragon expansion as well, which was more of a cyberpunk kind of um, world totally different to where the game is set um normally but yeah so that was pretty cool too yeah um i'm I'm normally yeah normally playing something a bit less intense but (laughs) it's good good for a change i i've started up uh dead island as well and that is that is clunky that is clunky compared to far cry 3 so (laughs) That's what yeah. you find, I guess, when you go back and revisit a few of those older games, you'll find that. Yeah, I mean, it's all that my PC will handle, basically. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I my PC even... probably was a beast back then, but yeah. now it's just can't handle much. I don't even bother with a PC anymore, to be honest. So, there's quite a, like, everyone's jumping on iRacing at the moment with um, all the eSports and everything, but I don't think I could even handle it on basic <laughs> graphics, so... That's how good no. it is. Yeah, for um for the nerds out there, I've only got a GT ten thirty, so it's not doing much for me. I've just got a HP laptop now, so <laughs> I used <laughs> yeah, to have right. a, I used to have an Alienware, which was um pretty good and it was spec and everything, and um yeah, it just kind of died on me. <laughs> uh-huh. Too many games, I think back uh, back in the school days, but yeah, not not these days. I'll just stick with the xbox and i'll be happy yep yep i used to used to smash the world of warcraft but no more so (laughs) yeah the only time i bring up world of warcraft now is uh when i talk about my losses financially (laughs) yes yep (laughs) oh it was yeah frustrating but there was a bit of fun that was had with it at least uh right uh marbula e so on the podcast, we have talked about Marbula 1. Uh, Marbula E, which is a bit of a Envision Virgin Racing and Formula E collaboration uh, with uh, Yellow's Marbles. So instead of them being the marble teams, they are official Formula E team marbles uh, using the official Formula E graphics and commentary. Jack Nichols on the commentary. I mean, his his list of, of what he's done there must be just horrendous like he's commentating on everything everything i I just this yeah i can't find commentary without him apart from supercars which we'll get into later but yeah i mean if he goes for a job interview here look what i've done (laughs) you know amazing you know you've properly made it when you're commentating on marbles racing. <laughs> I did actually see the clip um, of him commentating over Marbula E, and I'm just like, this guy could commentate anything, really. He is, I think, one of the guys you're going to be looking at in the future as taking over um, 
whether it's F1 or whatever, like being a lead, like in a position David Croft is, for example, or Neil Crompton or whatever in, in the supercars. So, no, I'm a big fan of Jack Nichols and this Marbula E thing. It's actually a credit to the success of Marbula 1. You know, that all, that started... Um, and some of us kind of scratched our heads, others were fascinated, but I think in general it's kind of a a credit to the racing world at the moment, things that they're trying to do to to keep everyone entertained, and it's it's really creative. It is, yeah. I think we're good at finding ways of entertaining ourselves aren't we when um when the main um and and the the thing we're there for isn't available to us but i mean it's just a bit of fun really and totally i i enjoyed it it's it's yeah it's just a bit of fun but there are podcasts out there and we linked a couple last episode that actually take it seriously where the marbles sort of you know they have a mind of their own and you know they are personified almost it's, yeah, it's quite which, fun. which um, yeah, when you did mention that last week, I was kind of surprised, but not surprised. But um, you know, it's good that people are getting on board with it out there, and you know, as you say, I think having fun is probably the main thing. It is, it is. So uh, go and check that out if you haven't. I will link that in the show notes uh, for you to go and check out, and yeah, just enjoy Jack Nichols' uh, commentary. It's really fun. Yeah, uh, the attack zone is a ramp, attack mode, so a um, little bit of a change, you know, the marbles, <laughs> I think it would be a bit difficult for them to be able to go through attack mode a certain number of times, but they have a, a ramp uh, to sort of make up for that, and yeah, it's it's not good if you want to actually learn about Formula E, so yeah, just cut that, it's just a cool ramp. <laughs> well, they got well, they got the old old races you can watch on youtube so if you want to learn about formula e just go go watch that and leave the marbles for a bit of fun exactly so yeah you've got plenty of time to catch up on formula e um and last season was an absolute cracker so yeah go and watch that yep okay so on reddit there is a percentage of points versus points on offer per season graph which is really cool um it sort of goes into the rise and fall of Formula E teams um, and just how they're doing, how they're tracking. Um, obviously, some of them sort of joined halfway through mid-season three with Jaguar. Um, but they're, you know, they are on the up. And you can sort of see the decline of the likes of Dams, which is now Nissan. Very, very cool. I'll link this also. It puts into perspective the likes of Venturi, where they are slowly getting better, and and the work that's that's gone into their program. I mean, there's some that are yo-yoing all over the place. <laughs> I mean, Tachita, well, uh, you know, made a big leap up after fifteen, sixteen, massive, yeah, and um, and then down a little bit, um, even though Jean Eric Verne winning. Well, the team won last year as well, so they're pretty happy. There's, yeah, but massive swings for that team. So I'll link that. Have a look. It's really, really cool. I love how Truly is just in its own little zone, <laughs> like far removed from everyone. I was expecting to see Neo there, but yeah, Neo on the other side, like kind of 
didn't get a good start and then just bleh, right at the bottom. Yeah, so um, Truly only was in for like one season, so that's why. <laughs> yeah. And Mercedes, by the looks of it, have had a sharp increase from the last season when they were HWA, so they've had some yes, good impact yep. straight away, which is good to see. Yes, I mean, you can sort of see as well in this graph the Andretti BMW sort of rise as well, which is really cool to see. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a nice nice way to visualise it quickly. They've been very strong the last few races. I mean, we forget that we actually had some Formula E racing earlier this year anyway, and um, as promised, I did get on board and watch them closely. So it was, it was I was really getting into it before all this happened and everything. So yes, yep, it's uh, it's been a long time. I mean, it's been longer for Formula One, but um, we won't get into that. Um, there was some racing, virtual racing, the pre-season race of the ABB Formula E Race at Home Challenge in support of UNICEF, uh, which is great that they uh, yeah, sponsoring UNICEF to help them with that. Um, I think I talked about it last episode, that it's to sort of help them to learn and um, healthcare and bits and pieces to sort of lessen the effects of coronavirus and um, yeah help save lives as well as keep keep them learning um, and all those all those essential things that that people need you know we sort of take it for granted here in Australia and New Zealand but um, UNICEF do do great work worldwide and um, World Vision uh, Tier Fund UNICEF you know we need these organizations yeah for sure and in these times especially so it's really good to see the um, stay at home challenge get on board with UNICEF and get some um, much needed funds and stuff uh, donated and everything and it's good that Formula E are getting behind with UNICEF because yeah UNICEF I think with the FIA as well have a partnership I think I mean Jean Todd's all about it. So the competition is a nine-week esports competition, two separate grids running in parallel, a sim racer challenge grid section, and Formula E drivers, which is the driver's grid. So they're completely separate in this one. I know a lot of series sort of combine them in a final, but uh, these are completely separate. And the winner of the challenge series will get real lifetime in a Formula E car on a race weekend when we get back going. So that's kind of a prize that uh, a lot of the the e-racers, the sim racers, will be eyeing up uh, intently. Um, and I don't know what the what the drivers' grid prize is. I'm guessing it's uh, just a nice big trophy to put in the cabinet um, and some money. But uh, yeah, so a race royale format. Interesting. Um, this sort of takes me back to sort of Need for Speed uh, Underground, <laughs> where you you know you you can't be the last last uh, car on the on the lap. So it's an elimination until the top ten, and then it is a one lap sprint to the end. Very very cool uh, way to do it, and something a little bit different, Juad. Yeah, it's not something that as you would see traditionally, and as you say, Need for Speed underground it's kind of like that so it kind of puts more emphasis i think on just making sure you're at the front and don't get caught up in nasty battles at the back of the grid or whatever you just gotta be ahead but is it actually um like in my mind it kind of would 
spawn a bit of chaos. So has it actually caused any chaos, like three drivers trying to get around one corner together because they don't want to be last? And is, is it we'll get onto like that. that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is exciting. <laughs> yep. Okay. So uh, qualifying, uh, Graham Carroll on pole. I'd never heard of him before, but um, he was on pole for the esports section and. Um, Apparently, he's a red bullback driver. Graham is no stranger to motorsport. In 2015, the British driver won the coveted uh, Walter Hayes. Uh, Graham is no stranger. So um, that trophy at Silverstone in the Formula Ford series, since making the switch to esports, he's been involved in three different forms of sim racing, including the 2018 F1 esports alongside uh, Yoni Tomala, finishing in sixth overall. So this guy is no slouch. Uh, He's also competed in last year's Porsche Porsche Esports Super Cup for the Bulls. Uh, yeah, he was very good, very quick, and it's not really, not really a surprise. And then, yeah, um, it, the the sim race was a little bit cleaner um, and and really really cool, which Graham Carroll won. Uh, sort of checked out basically, and uh, yeah, there was quite a bit going on behind, so it was it was a bit easy in the end. Well, that's good, yeah, and showing his prowess and everything. So, do they at all get to compete with the the real drivers at all, or is it just kept separate completely? I think it's completely separate, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah unfortunately, but uh, yeah. So, um, the actual drivers, absolute carnage. <laughs> I mean, there was people going out everywhere and... Um, a couple of people going into the wall. So the damage was 25% of normal, so it had been scaled back. So a lot of rubbing is racing encouraged. Um, I'm not sure it was a good thing, but uh, yeah, a lot of them sort of had a crash. You thought, that's race ending, but no, carrying on as they were. Um, Yeah, probably good for the spectacle, but... Yeah, hopefully they tone it back, um, considering this one was just a sort of a warm-up race. It just shows you if you give racing drivers an inch, they'll take a mile and just sounds like proper dodge cars stuff. Because <laughs> normally Formula E cars, they're so fragile, I'm sure that, you know, even just the slightest contact would see your wings fall off or something like that. So I think they've been given the, um, given the all-clear to go a bit more hardcore. <laughs> And this is what you get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is, it is. Um, So yes, uh, Maximilian Gunter absolutely dominated the test race, which probably not a surprise. Uh, Jack Nichols actually went through who he thought would be the contenders, and it was Maximilian Gunter and Stoffel Van Dorn. Stoffel been doing a lot of sim racing recently, uh, and Maximilian Gunter was set up at the BMW uh, facility, and then he got his own stuff. Um, so, yeah, really, really good. Charging into the first turn, uh, Jean-Eric Verne dived up the inside of Andre Lotterer to take third, um, but Andre fighting back. Yeah, it was that was a good uh, bit of a scrap as well. So, I mean, the first lap gave way to plenty of action. Um, I am reading this off a press release now on the Formula E website. A uh, huge pile-up, drivers spinning out of control, Audi Sports. Uh, Lucas Degrassi was a big name to be claimed in all of the bad, in all of the madness first lap. 
Uh, more carnage. The race settled slightly with Gunther controlling the lead from Stoffel Van Dorn and Vern. Uh, Nick Cassidy rounding out the top five. And uh, he was substituting for Sam Bird, which I have to say, Nick Cassidy really should be getting some sort of drive or being looked at for Formula E because he is just, you know, he's great at whatever he puts his hand to. It's, he, it's just, uh, do you know much about him, Chris? Um, uh, about him, Juad? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah, I've kind of, the name has popped up quite a bit. Um, over the last few years in particular and looking at open wheel prospects out in New Zealand of course he I feel like he's an underrated name at that um didn't he do that um young driver test for Formula E was it in Diria or in Saudi yeah, Arabia yeah, yep. yeah he was a part of that so I'm not sure how yes. he went there but yeah, he's a guy who, you know, over in Super Formula in Japan has plied his trade. And, of course, that's not a, a category for slouches. I'm sure that um, everyone knows that. See some big names go and compete over there. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird one how he slipped under the radar for Formula One because I think he would have totally killed it if he got a, a plum drive there but you know you never say never and if Formula E can get their hands on him I'm sure it's going to be good for him and um, good for them as well. Exactly um, so yes there was a lot a lot of uh, pushing past and um, a, a bit of drama so there were a couple of names that weren't in there Pascal Verline was not racing um, and so Sam Diong who I think is the actual reserve driver for Mahindra uh, was in and Jan Mardenborough, uh, I think he was in for would well, be Nissan. He's I'm sure. one of Nissan, yeah, yeah. He's one of the Nissan guys. I think it was for Buemi. But uh, coming up to the final lap, Van Dorn attempted to close the gap to Gunther, but Gunther just looked too good, won comfortably, and it was seven tenths. And Andre Lotterer rounding out the podium in third, which. A great drive from Lotterer. I have to say that he was probably my driver of the day because you don't necessarily sort of think Lotterer, sim racing, um, but yeah, really, really strong showing. And it it looks, yeah, it's, it's looking good for him for the season. Well, I think he might be one of the guys who are appreciating the fact that there's less damage because... He's had some pretty good grid <laughs> positions in the actual races this season, but it's all, there's always like a first corner incident that's involving Andre Lotterer, which has been really painful to see, I've got to admit. So I think, yeah, he'll be pretty happy about um, having that less damage so he can actually get past the first corner and not be missing a front wing or be back in, you know, 20th position. Yeah, I think back to Sam Bird hitting him when he was in front. Uh, Lotterer, <laughs> great defender. Um, I can't remember what race it was last year, but uh, yeah, he, he should have had that win. Um, he Masterful defending. I think it might have been Burn, yeah. potentially. Um, but yeah, he's he's the best. He is, he is the best driver not to win a race. You, you, you really have to... And it's kind of weird that he hasn't actually won a race yet in Formula E. So, I mean, I 
forgot that until you just mentioned it as well. So, yeah. Yeah. it's like, whoa, you know, this guy who's had all this success, I mean, I can wax, I mean, I'm pretty sure last time as well when I was on the show I was waxing lyrical about Andre Lotterer. So, we were, mm. yeah, kind of hard not to, but um, yeah, he'll be happy to at least get that win under his belt and kind of take confidence from there. Absolutely. So, again, those will be in the show notes. Uh, so, Maximilian Gunter, Stoffel Van Dorn, and Andre Lotterer, your top three out of that race. So, while we're on esports, Jawad, and I'm sure you've been looking forward to talking about the Supercars esports, um, I've, I've been watching, well, I've watched the first one, and I've just got to say, the production value is incredible. It is just, and I mean, with iRacing, it looks similar to what you'd actually be watching. You'd have to look twice. Yeah, it almost... Um when you watch it, it's kind of become my new Wednesday night tradition now. Um, I wouldn't say this normally about, you know, motorsports being on midweek, but yeah, you know, it's on at the prime time, 7pm here. Um, if you've come home from work or if you've had dinner, it's kind of like, oh yeah, let's jump around the TV and watch a bit of the supercars. And, you know, as you say, the production quality is really high. They've got the um the crew that normally does the the broadcast for Fox Sports here and that I think gets broadcast all over the world as well whichever countries can access it they've got the commentators as well with Neil Crompton and Matt White who do the regular broadcast as well so just all these little things and also the graphics that they use as well for the um for the timing and everything and positions kind of feels like you're watching the real thing and then as you say with iRacing as well it's got you know really good graphics and then the camera angles that they use for the um, replay and everything is is almost like the real camera angles so we were watching Bathurst yesterday the third round and it was it had the normal intensity and drama of a race at Bathurst I think and, and that just is a combination of a good track good drivers and just the way that they all packaged it together for for viewing so even though it's not October and it's um you know not heading into summer and everyone's got the barbecues out and the beers for Bathurst um it did feel <laughs> It did feel like it was a Bathurst race with the, the supercars. So now that was, it's been really good so far. And I'm, I'm glad, as I said before, that, you know, motorsports coming up with creative ways and good ways to keep everyone entertained. I think the supercars E series is probably doing it better than anyone else in the world at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. I, I was just going to chip in and say, you know, being winter over here or heading into winter, um, you can't really have your, your barbecues and beers. It's a bit chilly outside, probably less so in Australia. But, um, yeah, good good that you can still have Bathurst on the TV. Exactly. So, And I think that's just a credit to Bathurst as well as a place. It's just, I think it's one of the best. I haven't been to too many racetracks, but um, it is definitely my favourite um, place in the world to go to see racing. I've got to ask, is Scott McLaughlin good at everything he tries his hand at? I sort of, I've been reading a little bit and apparently he won a, a IndyCar race, um, e-race as well. And he's just, uh, the first race he dominated. Um, so is this just a, I haven't been following his, his career very closely, but he seems like he's just on top of 
everything he tries his hand at. Yeah, he won um, one of the E-Series races earlier, I think it was last month um, now or early this month or something. So, yeah, Scott McLaughlin, who he's made his name in supercars, uh, was tipped to go or he was confirmed to go over this year and uh, make his debut in IndyCar at the um, Grand Prix of Indianapolis, which is the um, the road course race that is held before the Indy 500. So unfortunately, he wasn't going to be able to do the Indy 500, but um, Penske, his uh, team boss, was going to put him on to do the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. And he was fast in um, the testing that they had pre-season. So they did a couple of tests and he was like top three or something already. So, and this is a guy who's, and this is a guy who's always had a focus on tin top racing. So like touring cars and anything with a closed cockpit. So there was a few people that were surprised when last year it was kind of made um, public that he was actually going to be going over to America with Penske to do IndyCar because everyone thought he would be doing NASCAR. So oh, yeah. I was kind yeah, of not, I was kind of not surprised. I'm like, this guy could be good at anything he does. Like I've been a fan of McLaughlin since he made his main series debut in 2013. Um, the first race that he officially won was there at Pukekohe. Um, so, and he became the youngest winner in supercars. And then after that, he had a few more years at the team. He was at their Gary Rogers Motorsport. Um, the year after, they made a switch to the Volvo S60 chassis, which was largely successful. But unfortunately, there was no championship or anything that came out of it for Scott. But, you know, you could see that he was quick and he was dragging, um, you know, machinery that was good but you know not as fine-tuned as you kind of need it to be in supercars to be able to win it's just the margins are so fine and you've got to basically you've got this very small window to be able to be the quickest so yeah the move to DGR Team Penske um, Team Penske buying into Dick Johnson Racing a team that's been in Australia for it's you know one of the lifebloods of the sport so Scott moving to that team in 2017 was always going to bring success and open pathways for him as well internationally, but it was about getting that success. So there was a bit of heartbreak in um, 2017. He lost the championship at the final race, crashing with Craig Lowndes. He was in a, you know, he was in an unlosable position and then kind of just lost it. <laughs> but then... Yeah. 18 and 19 he really dominated and um yeah two championships now under his belt Bathurst 1000 win of course as well last year controversially but yeah Yeah. it just seems whatever he does he's kind of in that golden golden patch at the moment and you know he's tried IndyCar for real now he's done the the esports as well and he's been really good at that so you know if he decides to go down the open wheel route i mean where does the possibility where does the possibilities end yeah i'm sure there's plenty of series that would love him so and someone for you to get behind as well potentially if you were to get into indycar yeah we've obviously got scott scott dixon but uh yeah it'd be good to have someone else that's recognizable over there you know it's hard to hard to try and get behind willpower or any of those sort of those sort of guys 
Yeah, I have. I didn't really watch a proper full season of IndyCar until I think I watched the last few races last year and Indy 500, of course, I, I got behind. But then this year I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm watching Formula E now. So why, why not give IndyCar a go? But unfortunately, we didn't get that far ahead. But when it does restart, I think I'll be keen to watch a few more races it's a bit difficult with the the time difference as well with all the races being in North America predominantly so a lot of them will be just watched on demand as I did with the first few Formula E races. Yes yeah not kind to our our part of the world but that's all right that's what uh, that's what YouTube catch-ups for. YouTube catch-up or whatever if you record them still pull out the VHS player and uh, tape them if, if that's your only means of doing it tape them actually if if someone has a tape i would be i would be really happy yeah anyway um (laughs) send me a photo of your formula e tapes okay um so your podcast juard hit the apex what what are are you talking about at the moment um are you doing anything special on there i don't know if you would consider it special or anything but yeah given we don't really have much in the way of live racing to talk about which is kind of our our thing with both our podcasts um kind of been looking back at some older content um so i talked last week about something i was going to do called racing revisitations um which is just a, a series that i'm writing about for the the website the raw um, and this week I did the 2010 F1 season, of course, so uh, that's now a decade ago. It was the 60th championship season. God, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but it is. Um, and just basically, yeah, looking back at that season and how the championship panned out as well, because it was one of the, a lot of people say, one of the best championships we've had in recent years five drivers or four drivers went into the final race with a shot at the championship and it was kind of the the unexpected result you know we all had our eyes on Fernando Alonso or Mark Webber to win that one and then they get themselves get themselves stuck behind a Renault (laughs) and Sebastian Vettel comes out and wins the championship and that was the beginning of his little run with Red Bull as well so it was kind of a fascinating season that you know each race something different happened it was like okay so he's won a couple of races he's on top of the championship oh no he's had a retirement and then there's someone else who comes in and it kind of just changed throughout the season and it had a good ebb and flow and just really kept everyone on their toes so it was kind of good going back this week and watching some of those races from 2010 um, reading about it again and just trying to formulate um, a basis to do this uh, this piece on I think I did a almost yeah over three and a half thousand words and kind of split it into a couple of parts to publish so that's something you know I'm going to be talking about on this week's show, um, just offering a bit more, a uh, bit more depth and some thoughts as well about it. But also, I've started going back and editing and restoring some old photos that I have as well. So, um, prior to getting the DSLR that I did a few years ago, I actually focused a lot more on film rather than photos but then I kind of with my film camera 
took a few stills and stuff like that and thought, oh yeah, this doesn't look too bad. Maybe I should get into the photography stuff as well. Um, So a lot of those old photos that I had with a film camera, I um, kind of just left to one side and really didn't do much with them. But now I'm kind of going back and looking through them. I'm like, oh yeah, some of these are really good, but I can touch them up a little bit. So I've been touching them up and um, putting them up on Instagram and everything. And I might even, I, I said it last week, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I can kind of tell the story behind that photo or tell the story behind that race. I mean, it's kind of hard in podcasts because you can't, I can't show you the photo physically, but I'm, do my best to describe it and say, oh, so this is from Bathurst 2015, which, you know, was the last chunk of photos that I went through and edited. So, and yeah, just time to discuss other media as well. Um, You know, we talk mostly about racing and sports and motorsport, but, you know, we all like music, we all like movies, stuff like that. So offering a bit of a, some thoughts on that too. Cool. That sounds exciting. Um, yeah, we will link link the in- Instagram um, so you can check that out as well. And um, I'll be checking that out for sure. So, uh, Jawad, um, what are your social media uh, links for, for the people to check out? Yeah, so Twitter, of course, at Hit the Apex Media. And then, as we said, Instagram too, which is just uh, my personal one, at Dr. 46th. And, of course check out the motorsport section on the raw.com.au as well that's where you're going to find all my published articles and everything and it's kind of not as busy as you would like it at the moment but hopefully with this um revisitation series i'm doing i can uh, get a few more articles up and having a bit more time on my hands too i could probably do one a week nice nice thank you very much uh finally thank you to Kuzu graphics on twitter for doing the artwork uh, when we do have races, his link is in the show notes and also his work can be seen on our website, uh, regenracingpodcast.com. We're on Twitter at regenracing and Instagram at regeneracingpod. Uh, we can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts and thank you for continuing to do so. We appreciate it uh, that you take the time uh, considering uh, there's not much Formula E or e-racing. Um, we've had to do a different sort of e-racing uh, talk <laughs> for the last wee while so thank you for sticking with us um, if you would like to donate to the show um, it'll go towards artwork and the cost of keeping the website up and running so you can do that we have a red circle link um, and Jawad, thank you very much pleasure as always Dino <laughs> yeah no I've, I've been looking forward to this since we sort of um, arranged it uh, last week and um, having having Josh on as well um, from who does some work for the Raw, um, yeah, I sort of thought I thought about you, and I thought, yeah, we need to get you back on. <laughs> no, it's been it's been great, and you know, hopefully, we can do this uh, a lot sooner again this time. If you've got more um, content you want to discuss, absolutely, yep. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Chris will get back on the next one, um, and we can sort of uh, yeah have a chat on on uh, the season of the Formula E race at home series and a few other bits and pieces that are going on with supercars. I'm sure that'll be enjoyable. It will be. So, yeah, thank you again, Dino, and, um, yeah, cheers. Cool. Have a good one, mate. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we've we've obviously got um, 
the um, Scott. Um, crap, what's his last name? Dixon. 